episode of Short Box Summary. I'm your host, George, and we've got some returning guests. Yay! Love returning guests. We... I, I love being I love returning. It's like you go away for a little while, you come back, you're still mints on your pillow. They've changed your towels. It's a great time coming back to Short Box Summary. You know that voice. That is Andy Larson from Last Comic Shop, and we are joined. But Chad from Last Comic Shop. I realize right. I don't know your your last name, your surname, and I don't even know if I want to put that out there. Do you want to put that out there? You can put it out there because right. mine is Smith. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got very common names. It's like Larson, Smith, Scott. Like it's it's we've we've covered like you know we have a Jones in there. We're, we're we've made it like. Yeah. It's half the world's population. Yeah, our, I teach our, eighth graders. They have no idea I do a podcast. And just the other day, they tried to Google my name, and it's just all Red Hot Chili Pepper stuff. <laughs> oh, thank God. I'm yeah. safe. I'm in the clear. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I'm not going to say who. I don't think I've ever actually said my full name on this show. Um, that's fine. I don't want to. Uh, but there's a painter <laughs> who shares very much uh, my full name, plus like a little extra on the end. Like my last name is their their middle name. So I'm like, oh. Do a little Google search, see what people are saying about me. Like, oh, still love that impressionist painter. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> You're in the clear. <sighs> well, there's not a lot of comic podcasts I listen to, mostly just because I don't really care about other people's opinions about comics. I would like so much <laughs> rather like read them myself and, and decide for myself. I don't need to hear someone getting pissy about X-Men. And like, you know, oh, Fatal Attractions, that crossover sucked. I'm like, actually, I thought it was pretty fun. I read it when I was 11-ish. Yeah, had a blast. You're one of the few comic podcasts I do listen to. So always, that's awesome. Always extremely happy to have you guys on. Very cool. Sad. We're always happy to be here, George. If you've ever listened to The Last Comic Shop and you listen to an episode featuring George, uh, it's a trip. It's a trip and a half. And, uh, Man, this feels so nice to just not be able to put any sound effects in, just kind of sit here <laughs> quietly chatting about comics. I am very happy to be a guest. Sure. <laughs> you host all you want, sir. All right, cool, cool. Well, we are in the middle of our color series for Marvel. As I said, uh, ish, episode 50 of the podcast, we're going to jump into House of M, and that's when things continuity-wise get really tight and crazy and weird and so before we jump into house of m and, and get into how everything changed like i said want to take one last look at how everything was and i think these color books are a pretty good place to start i think some are better than others and i think hulk gray the book we're talking about today is an especially good one to start with i think this is and I'll, I'll pitch it to you guys after this i think this is one of the first three hulk books you could recommend to someone who says hey i want to read about the hulk where should i start yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, honestly, when it comes to the Hulk, it's everybody knows the character, right? Like he's a very well-known character, but sometimes like at least in recent years, you know, when I ask like folks like, well, what, well, what have you read? And they're, most of them are like Planet Hulk. And I'm like, but have you, have you read Planet Hulk? And they're like, well, we read like a couple issues. I'm like, you're right. Because like, again, everybody knows about this character, but like, there's such nuance behind the Hulk. And it was a character that I didn't come to really as a fan until way later in my life. I mean, it was one of those guys I always knew was, you know, when I was growing up in the eighties, they had a great cartoon show that was at, you know, it was, it was 
packaged with Spider-Man and Amazing Friends. And I can still remember it because it's got like basically the Sal Bushima version of the Hulk. And like the end of it, he's he's picking up this massive, incredible Hulk sign. It's like, I don't know, it takes up the entire screen. And I was just like, it used to get me pumped up, even as a kid. Uh, but at the same time, it's a real dark book. And it's, you know, he's at the time in the 80s, he's like backhanding beer breaking their necks mm -hmm. with like the back of a hand like he's going crazy and fighting the entire marvel universe i think in incredible hulk 300 um where he goes insane he's a real complicated character so like to have a book like hulk gray in which you still have all that complicated stuff but at the same time um you get a lot of the humanity and the reasons why you should feel for the hulk i think it's I think Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, with all these color books, they were able to tap into why you should like these characters. Heck uh, yeah, I think with the color books in general, they they are whether they're they're good or not, and some like you said are better than others. They are excellent like primers. You know, they're that timeless chunk of what makes that character go. And with the Hulk, uh, the Hulk is tough just because he's probably second only to Spider Man in terms of media exposure for Marvel where he's had so many shows, so many cartoons, so many different versions of the character out there. You know, it's nice to have, uh, you know, a Loeb and Sale come in and just distill the character, you know, and give you that stuff you need to know to help understand, you know, what's important to him. Mm -hmm. I gotta be honest, guys, I don't really care for the fucking Hulk. Like, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's fine. I, I, think he, I think he's okay. I think the fundamental flaw of the Hulk, and this was done, especially in the Ang Lee movie, We've, we've talked about that movie on this podcast. I think this is the first time we've ever actually covered the Hulk. Probably like one of the first times we've even mentioned him. I think the problem with the Hulk is that the one thing the audience wants is to see the Hulk. That's all they care about. They want to see this big, massive dude doing cool shit. And the one thing Bruce Banner wants, nothing more than, is to never be the Hulk. You know, like It's like the worst case scenario for him. So it's like literally watching a, a, an addict and you're rooting for a relapse. Like that's like what you're <laughs> doing every time you jump into a Hulk book. You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. And that's like, I think Avengers was when people kind of like turned the corner and, and started to give a shit about the Hulk, frankly, because like they figured out a situation where they needed the Hulk, right? Like, Black Widow, like she was the one who was probably like most traumatized by Hulk in, in that scene on the on the helicarrier. And then like right before the Battle of New York, like she gives him permission to turn back into the Hulk and says, like, no, we could we could use pretty bad right now. Like we we really need you. And I think that was like a big turning point where like they kind of figured out a levity that you can interject into the character. And I just didn't think that was especially present until Planet Hulk, <laughs> that that comic, which was one of the first books I remember grabbing with the Hulk, and I remember being like, uh, like flipping through Wizard magazine, and they were just like it was like speculating, like they treated it like the stock market, like back issues, and they were saying how like oh this one pretty cool book, you should grab it now while uh while it's only six bucks on the market, and I don't think it got much more expensive than that. I think like a nine eight now was like forty five bucks, but at the time I felt savvy as shit like that was like my, my reddit wall street bets you know that was like my my equivalent was uh was wizard magazine because so i was like oh no one else is reading this, this, is, this is, i'm gonna i'm gonna get ahead well that's the interesting thing about the planet hawk too um honestly i you know a lot of people talk about that storyline i i'm not 
my favorite issue of Planet Hulk is actually the one where he, he fights the Silver the Surfer. Surfer yes. Not because of any other reason than the Silver Surfer looks badass in right. that, right? Like, that's a really cool fight. But it has absolutely, like, the rest of the ones, with, you know, with, like, the giant cockroach guy that talks to him and, like, he's, yeah, like, the, none of it is really, like, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I dig it, but at the same time, I don't. Like, I, I feel like it is not representational of why you should care about the Hulk. Like, again, I, to my point previously, I, I didn't come to the Hulk until I got older. And I started understanding that, like, the reason why you root for the Hulk, the reason why you should care about the Hulk is because deep down, there is a part of all of us that, you know, has this very primal instinct to just, I don't know, return to the cave and forget about society and just be like, look, I, I just want to be left alone. I want to be by myself. I want, you know, the trappings of technology and, and all this stuff to just be stripped away and, and make my own way, you know, with, with nobody to stop me and, and to have somebody that has the strength to actually accomplish that uh, where nobody can you know, push him around and nobody can, you know, boss him around. Like that's, that's appealing as you get older and you get more and more responsibilities dumped on you. you I mean, think, that's just my take. You, you, you think it'd appeal more to high schoolers because what, what high schooler doesn't want to smash? Yes! Hey, uh, hey, uh, oh, no, I meant like sex stuff. That was a bad joke. Actually, you know, speaking of that, that was actually where the Hulk first found a niche way back in the 1960s. In the 1960s, the Hulk was like, they really didn't know what to do with him and for the first six issues. He was all like, it, there were some issues where like Rick Jones was behind him, like he was like a robot, like he was just being bossed around. And then later on, it was actually Steve Ditko in uh, Tales of the Astonished that said like, let's make him get mad. And that triggers the Hulk change. So it was actually Steve Ditko's idea to do all that and make it all tied into emotion. It was like sundown and stuff before. And that that uh, anti-hero and that, uh, you know, losing control actually appealed to jocks in college. You had like jocks on college campuses in the 1960s who kind of felt for that because like people just thought of them as meatheads and, and guy, you know, they... Just these big tough dudes that like didn't understand and you know, and so that's where the Hulk really started finding in that counterculture kind of thing, similar to Doctor Strange. So like it's interesting to say that like, you know, high schoolers or teenagers could could because that's that was the original market. Like that was why the Hulk became somebody that was uh, somebody gave people gave a shit about. Which is funny because you'd think the nerds would be like, oh, what you're telling me this nuclear physicist uh, is actually the strongest one there is. Just got a, got a little beast brewing inside of him that can just come out at any second. You'd think they'd find that relatable. Right. Uh, I was going to say, for me personally, I came to the Hulk in the 90s uh, in the middle of the Peter David run. Uh, right when the Hulk was going through his personality complex. And you have the Green Hulk versus the Gray Hulk. And then that culminated into the Smart Hulk the professor hulk but for me the hulk has always been about like uh pop psychiatry and you know trying to figure out how to how to heal and how this damaged bruce banner uh can cope and just that's what it's been for me ever since is just you know watching this guy try to repair and deal with the world around him and so in all these various incarnations whether it is the joe fix it hulk which i went back to read about and boy is joe fix it hulk cool 
Like he's, you know, not as strong, not as tough, but he has that attitude and like, and the suit. What's Hulk gonna say? Yeah, dapper as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the smart Hulk, like we're, uh, I would say that the smart Hulk was awesome, but uh, for me, it always goes back to that psychological element where it's like Bruce is trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, and that's, that's what uh, Hulk Gray is all about too. We get uh, started off with Leonard Sampson there right mm-hmm. off the jump. Oh, man, that would have been a perfect segue if we didn't have to put on our shoes and walk all the way back to 2003. It was, ah! it was, it was a beautiful set, and I, I should have spiked it, um, but unfortunately, we gotta, we gotta go whirling back to the uh, 20 years ago. 20 years. This book is 20 years old. Wow. This book yeah. felt like the future, holding it in my goddamn hands, and now it's <laughs> 20 years after the future. Good grief. <sighs> You guys are comic nerds, right? Let's talk about comics. Yeah. Oh, Let's yeah. Go for it. Let's All do right. it. So this book came out October. Uh, Hulk Gray number one came out October 14th, 2003. And I double checked. That is the publishing date, not the cover date. So it actually came out October, uh, October 14th, 2003. And it was the number 18 selling book of the month by units sold the number seven selling book by dollars because this book prestige format three dollars and fifty cents so it was eating up a lot of that market share back in the day uh, go premium baby premium uh-huh. man i think that's why i didn't get it because I, I i was really not buying anything that was that. Well, <laughs> i yeah, was like cause... i was i was like counting my quarters to get a whopper junior like i i, I didn't have time for mm-hmm. books for books at this time were like one ninety nine, a dollar seventy five, like they, yeah, they were like they, they were oscillating two fifty or yeah. So this was like twice as much. I mean, I, there, there's way, there's better ways to spend my dollars, honestly, mm-hmm. which is sad because this book ended up really being really good. But I was I was thirteen at the time, so I actually did not have better ways to spend my dollars. I was <laughs> too scared to do drugs, so I had a lot of money for comics. I didn't buy this book the day it came out. I bought it. Uh, couple years later i was living in south america at the time when this book was published so i did not have easy access to english comics uh but when i came back though right at that dollar bin at uh at my local comic book store oh nice but the number one book of the month adventures jla issue two. Ooh, yeah we we talked about that on the last comic shop uh, did you, that's a, that is a did, great series did you guys um, did you guys get the reprint that happened uh last year Chad did. I Chad did. did. I was... bullied my comic shop guy into giving me one of the two copies he got. I did too because I was the one who let my comic book shop manager know that that book was coming out, and because I brought it to his attention, he uh, he saved it for me. So, <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked Lucky. on occasions about how that 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 series. It's like George Perez, God rest his soul. He decides to put more and more people on each cover, leading up to three, which is just like one of the greatest covers of all time because there's so insane. many iconic su- superheroes on that cover and then and then four is just one dude with a hammer and a shield and he's just like hey man i got this <laughs> hammer and this shield i don't need this shit but you know i took it off of captain america and thor why not yeah he was really <laughs> who needs <laughs> friends when you have shit you're like yeah. he's like oh he likes going to yard sales and picking up stuff he doesn't need. So. Who needs friends when you have unconscious allies whose weapons you can take? It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Book number two, Amazing Spider-Man 59, better known as Amazing Spider-Man 500. 
Dun, 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 with that J. Scott Campbell cover. Yeah. Spider-Man and Mary Jane swinging by. That is some pretty shit. I love that book so much. <sighs> I don't think I spent enough time talking about that amazing Spider-Man volume. Did a couple stories, but also it, shit's about to pop off with that book because we're going to do uh, Road to Civil War, that little three-part issue where okay. Mr. Parker goes to Washington and uh, yeah, that, that entire C- Civil War tie-in, is, I think is just fucking bonkers. So I'm I'm excited to get there. Book number three, Marvel 1602. Oh, Neil Gaiman. Classing it up. Believe it or not, I have not read that series. It's been sitting in my read pile for like eight years. We were going to do it on the show. And then Chad was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? And so we kind of like, I don't know. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll pick something else. So we never got around to reading it. Um, do you like, do you like that one, George? Have you read that one? No, I read that book when I like can't fall asleep and can't find my, my melatonin. Like I, <laughs> I, I am, I am not a fan. I think a lot of Neil Gaiman stuff is incredible. I think a lot of it is incredibly slow. So uh, I don't mean <laughs> to be disrespectful to, to a dude who's clearly left a, a bigger imprint on comics than I could ever hope to, but uh, not, not my speed. There you go. It's okay. Not everything's for everybody. I, I remember reading it. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> so, and I'm one of those guys, honestly, like if you, cause it's a, it's a debate that I always have with some folks and you're like, do you like Neil Gaiman's comic books or do you like Alan Moore's comic books? If you only could pick one, I'm more of an Alan Moore fan. I, I genuinely think Alan Moore has better pacing. Mm-hmm. Like he really does. Like, especially early Alan Moore, like you can read those comics and, and, and not only, feel like you're intellectually being stimulated but the pacing in those books is just it just rolls and to uh, play devil's advocate though where's alan moore's sandman where's the 75 issue run (laughs) of something special (laughs) where's where's neil gaiman's uh uh, what is it the league of extraordinary gentlemen huh it's it's marvel 1602 that wasn't the mw whatever what was uh, number four, I'll, George? I'm uh, sorry. I'm a I'm I'm a Grant Morrison over Alan Moore fan. Oh, I snap. Uh, I couldn't like I said I uh, I wasn't buying drugs when I was 13, but I was when I was in college. And man, did Grant Morrison <laughs> books make me feel like those plants I uh, inhaled by accident, completely by accident. Oh yeah, they would just happen to be there, and you just walked by them. <laughs> For me, Grant Morrison, like half of his books I really enjoy, and the other half I have no idea. Oh, like yeah. I, I need someone to sit me down and be like, no, this is what's happening, or you know, stop thinking so much about it. But like half I, I love and half are just frustrating. Why why is this what it is? I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, I'm gonna speed through these next couple. Ultimate six issues two and three were five and six. That was a big mini event happening within the ultimate universe. Ultimate oh, yeah. X-Men 38 was number six, Batman 620, uh Broken City, which is actually a book that we covered on this very podcast. That was the Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Riso book, like the, oh the follow up to the Jim Lee stuff. Yeah, the first book after Hush wrapped up. Let's see, New X Men number one forty seven, so near the end of the Grant Morrison run on that okay. book. Was that so, Mark Silvestri at that point? I think Monarch? he just did the last four issues or five issues. I think so, right with like that uh, that living bacteria mutant. Yeah, the, it's I know I know it's one fifty one and around. <laughs> Shut up, Andy! It's cool. Shut up. I didn't read any X Men. I don't know anything about living bacteria. See, that's why I don't read that shit. I don't I, read it. I, I think you, I think his name is John. I can't remember. I should reread that run. It's pretty good. His name's Germ. 
John Germathan. Germathan. Yeah. Uh, besides that, I, I don't know. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man forty-seven, forty-eight. I think that was like around the Hollywood arc. Uncanny X-Men four thirty-two. That was the Chuck Austin Philip Tan run, which is not very well regarded. Uh, yeah. But regarding more kindly than it probably should be. Uh, Wolverine number six. This was, I think, Greg Rucka, Derek Robertson. Okay. Launching that book. But, but, but Hulk Gray, like I said, at number 18 for units. And then Hulk Gray number two showed up again uh, a few weeks later. Um, that was the number 21 selling book for October. So pretty good little outing. Uh, Hulk Gray number one sold 69,873 issues. Nice. Good. And Hulk Gray two sold 63,361. So nice little... Nice little thud that it made on the uh, the Comicron on the on the the charts there. Yeah, no, that those those books were those books were something special. I won't lie. I mean, a lot of people wanted to read the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale stuff, and I mean, it, it was good. I mean, I I I I just didn't buy them in single issues. <laughs> this this book was poorly timed though, because the Hulk movie comes out June twentieth, two thousand three, mm-hmm. and then this comes out. Four months after that so it kind of missed the window a little bit i think if anything the trade should have probably been collected by the time the movie came out but comic book movies being successful and big still kind of new at this point no one's really oh, yeah. expecting it so can't blame them for not having their marketing machine down and in fact the marketing machine that exists now feels kind of gross so it's a li- <laughs> so it's a little charming that they they bopped it so bad back then yeah I, I will say this too i mean it's it's nice having a hulk book released in october I, I used to, when I used to run, uh, you know, write uh, comic book reviews, I always used to love to cover Hulk books um, in the month of October because you're, ta- you're talking about monsters and things. And regardless, he's one of the most famous monsters around. People don't really view him sometimes as, you know, like Frankenstein or, you know, Dracula, but he's no different uh than those those kind especially if you read certain runs like the most recent run uh the immortal hulk yeah boy that's straight up horror sometimes dude that was the best ghost rider comic in a long time <laughs> from marvel was that Hulk book good good grief <laughs> uh that was another book uh if you're ever in the san francisco bay area check out cards and comic central on gary boulevard the guy who runs that shop is named Daryl, one of the nicest people ever. And it got to the point where, like, like I said, I don't give a shit about the Hulk. But he added that to, like, my pull list and just, like, dropped it in my box. And he's just like, added this to your pull list. Read it. It's pretty good. And then I read it. I was just like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah, this is, this is, this is really good. Absolutely it is. <sighs> right. Well, that's nice. See, that's yeah. nice when they look, make recommendations. Looking out for you. Looking out for you. There you, there you go. go. Now, I was going to say, too, the, the regular Hulk book around this time, this was that Bruce Jones run. Ooh, yeah. that's a good Hulk run. That's a good Hulk Where I, I don't know if I read it. Uh, we're into, like, the late 50s, early 60s around this point. But I, I read the initial parts of that run, whenever it was the John Romita Jr., the return of the monster, and you had Mr. Blue and Mr. Green running around. And that was tons of fun. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if I – did you guys – oh, let me start over. Did anybody check out that book uh, in the 50s and 60s? Was it any good in 2003? Uh, I'm pretty sure Ethan was reading that because he started off with uh, Mr. Blue and Mr. Red. And and I, and I, and I won't lie. He, he was buying it. I was reading it because like, I love the, I, I love the whole notion of Bruce 
being like, you know, wandering from town to town and people not knowing who he is. And like, you know, it plays into that whole Bill Bixby thing from the seventies. Like yeah. that stuff is, it's right up my alley. I mean, that's the other great thing about the Hulk is like, you can tell, you can tell almost like, it's almost like an anthology. Like you, you don't have to have like, you know, a storyline that runs, you know, 25 issues. You can have just little chunks as he walks around and people are just, he's just interacting with things, mm-hmm. um, you know? And, and so I think that's appealing as, as a character because just tell stories and you're two issues and you're out. So I, I'm all about that. I still don't really give a shit about the whole thing. Ah, <laughs> I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to turn right. you around, George. By the you... end of this show, you will give a shit about the Hulk. <laughs> the way you Somebody talk. You should... I don't know dick about Conan, but like the way everyone on your podcast talks about him, I'm like, okay, there's clearly just like a big high slice of pop culture that I am just missing out on that. I, that I just don't understand because it seems <laughs> fundamental. I got a buddy, uh, Aaron, I introduced you to him in like yeah. a, a, a couple spaces. Frank Frazetta is his favorite artist because of the way he would draw Conan like back in the day. Um, right. Did he draw Conan or did he just oh, draw? Oh yes, he okay. did. He, he did. He did some Conan covers. Um, Death Sorry. Dealer is his big guy. Uh, like Death... Yeah. Yeah. With the, uh, he's the guy with the ax on the horse. Yeah. Oh, like the, the, the horns. Yes. The, the horned helmet. That, like, the goodness. Yeah. Um, but Frank Frazetta. Yeah. That, that's, I would have loved to have seen Frank Frazetta draw the Hulk. I don't think he ever did. No, there's an there's an homage cover to Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer comic in the Hulk, and that was the first issue of Hulk I ever bought. It's called uh, the the Tempest. I think it was Hulk seventy eight. I think was there. You go picked, picked Man, it up on a whim and didn't read it until Planet Hulk. That's part of those Bruce Jones uh, that Bruce Jones run where they had those killer covers. Mm-hmm. You'd get like the Where the Wild Things Are covers and the oh yeah yeah you know all those homages all the um oh why can't I think of his name Americana. Uh, Hopper, uh, Rockwell, Norman Rockwell, Rockwell. Norman yeah. Rockwell. There you uh, go. The, the other versions. one, yeah. yeah, the other guy, <laughs> the guy that did all the Santa drinking the cokes. <laughs> Are y'all and, ready? To, you're all ready to talk about the book. I am. I, okay. I'm, I'm, I was born ready, George. Well, this that's, is that's this is my jam. I told you, especially Gray Hulk. Come on, <laughs> Gray Hulk's the fun Hulk. He's the Joe Fixit Hulk. He's the one. No, he's the Hulk that you can have fun with. He's not like, you know, talks like a, you know, three-year-old and jumps around. And that, that Hulk's fun. This is like the, this is the, this is the calculating Hulk. This is the Hulk that knows what he's doing. And I think you get some of that in this book. This you is do. the Hulk that knows first aid. No, yeah. he doesn't. Oh, he knows how to pluck it off a wall and make someone else do it. Uh. <laughs> He's got the... That's about as much as I could do. Yeah. Yeah. Hand him on the box and be like, here. You want to put some Band-Aids on? I got uh, you some. I don't know how to put them on. <laughs> these huge hands. Like these... They're hams. Yeah, me, me and the Hulk did the same amount of medical school as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. I'm sorry to do this. I want to take a quick, like, one-minute break. I'll be that's right okay. back. I'm, I'm sorry. What's up? My blood test results are in at 10 o'clock at night. Ooh. 
That's good. Yeah, I, sure. I skipped work today to get blood work done, and that was a nice. They check your cholesterols. The cholesterol. We're checking all the alls. Oh, good. So uh, we'll wait till later to open that up. I'm I'm curious. <laughs> now, you can't not tell me. I don't. I don't know. I cannot tell you because yeah. I don't know the answer. Exactly. And Lindsay did find the mushroom risotto that she had me looking for in the house to put away. Oh, look at that. I might, let's just give it a couple more seconds because my dog's yeah. going to come back and he's going to be like, let me in and I'm going to have to get up because it's raining here. Is it raining there? No, but if it's raining there, I assume that means it'll be raining here tomorrow by like one o'clock in the morning. So can't wait. <laughs> I was going to ask too, and I want to put you on the spot. Do you know the order of the color, the color books? I believe it goes blue, gray, yellow, white. So Spider-Man blue. Yeah. White's actually the only one I haven't read. Yeah, it's book. good, but it's the same Captain America story. Mm. Dude, it's also like the... issue zero comes out in 2008. The rest of that book doesn't come out until 2015. By the way, I've been thinking about it, Chad. I think for our 4th of July episode this year, we should just we should just complete the year of Chad and do Winter Soldier. Ooh. Now that did you get to that, George? Already covered it, yeah. Nice. That's a that's one of those books that like I'll give to kids in eighth grade. They're like, I didn't know comic books could be like this. If it wasn't, this is like a movie. If it wasn't the year of Chad, I would have picked something else. But it's already the year of Chad. So it's the year of Chad. The best. I declared it. It's <laughs> year of the summer of George. You don't want to do uh, Fallen Sun? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have decided we're not going to do any books that. Uh, when was Fallen Sun? Was that the new one that's coming out now? No, that was the one after he died and oh. they had the funeral and it was a five stage. What's the degree. one that's out now? Sent is that Sentinel of Liberty? Yeah. Okay. Oh, dude, the I'll current right book, the current books are really good. Uh I've not kept up with the recent Captain America stuff. But you did inspire me to finally dig into Dark Web, which I had been avoiding. Are you are you enjoying it at least? Yeah, no, it's fun. It's it's dumb fun. It makes me sad what they did with Ben Riley, but that wasn't that was done before this. Yeah. So. All right, we're back. Plus, I don't know his his girlfriend becomes a character, Hallow's Eve, who yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of. There you go. <sighs> All right, Hulk Gray issue one came out October uh, October October fourteenth two thousand three. It was written by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. They were listed as the storytellers with colors by Matt Hollingsworth, Richard Starkings, and John Rochelle on lettering and design. And this has kind of a cool label on it. It's Marvel Knights PSR, Ooh. which stands for Parental Supervision Recommended. There you go. I don't know if there was a lot that was like in this that you could have said like, oh, this is different than other books at the same time. But... I think it was emotion- they put it on there, I guess. Em- emotionally heavy, right? And also signaling, yeah. like, between that and the Marvel Knights I, label, on, signaling mature stories. I honestly think that was actually more to do. It was like, oh, look at this. Sometimes mm-hmm. they would put that that Marvel Knights on just because they wanted to look seem hoity-toity. You're like, oh, well, look at this. 
This is for the mature reader. Um, well, that I, I like how like Punisher started as Marvel Knights, and they're like, "This is too fucking brutal." No, like Max, <laughs> we're gonna call this Marvel Max. Like this, <laughs> this is the most we're ever gonna do. This is in this is in a room behind like you know they have like the what are those the the beads the the be, you have to walk through and you have to show that you're 18 to buy these books. It's fine. Right. Quick summary. I'm trying to be quicker these days with with burning through these books. This is a this first issue is titled A is for Apple. On the night that would have been Bruce Banner and Betty Ross's wedding anniversary, Bruce is instead with his old psychiatrist and friend, Dr. Samuel Leonard. While there, he reflects on the day he was caught in the Gamma Blast, the way he snaps at Rick Jones to first turn into the Hulk and his first confrontation with a military patrol looking for him. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the issue. Pretty good intro, right, to the character. Yeah, yeah no. And plus, it also sets up, like, what I feel is the biggest, um, like, kind of hook for this whole book, which is the fact that, like, you've got the, uh, uh, what's what's the term? The, uh, the unreliable narrator, mm -hmm. right? Because this is all Bruce's opinion of what happened. And I think that's what, why you have Leonard as kind of, like, the counterpoint to a lot of that, being, like, by the way, Bruce, I think you're kind of putting too much of your own spin right. on what has happened here. Not but even like from but from the start. My God, uh, Not... <laughs> I don't know. Do you subscribe real quickly, George? I'll ask you this question. Do you subscribe to the to the theory that Bruce Banner was trying to kill himself, which is why he ran out when he knew that a gamma bomb was going off and pushed Rick Jones out of the way, but took the blast himself he was trying to commit suicide i personally do not know okay but i also think i want to challenge one thing you said earlier i don't even think it's an unreliable narrator i think this is like secondhand information right because he's recounting shit that the hulk did but like <laughs> him not being the like hulk and banner being two separate entities like it's an unreliable narrator of a secondhand account right like so it's even further removed from from objectivity than than you even brought up which is That's Really interesting, man. Like, it's, it's pretty fascinating the way Jeff Loeb and, and Tim Sales set this up. But I, I've always pictured it in my head as, like, Bruce can see what, what's going on. Like, he's mm -hmm. watching the movie as it's happening. Um, You know, while the, while the Hulk is doing his Hulk thing. That's what I thought, but, like, this really seemed to call it into question. Like, there's a bunch of instances throughout this book, not just in this first issue, where, like... Uh, Leonard like really calls into question like okay like are you sure that's what happened because like the way they talk about all this stuff like like oh you you fought this character because the first recorded fight of you two was way later like that's what happened in uh like according to Avengers records we'll get there don't worry but uh like just the fact that like how much of this has just been like swept under the rug and so because it's not like public record the way everything else in Marvel technically is because like we are spectators to this entire universe mm -hmm. and the fact that like he's telling a story that's so fucking crazy that even his therapist is like ah, are we sure are we sure that's how it went and then to his credit he's a good therapist he he, he listens he trusts he tries to create a safe place, uh, sorry, a safe place for Bruce without uh, making him feel bad. Well, yeah, see, see that... I'm a sucker. I bought it totally. Well, I was actually going to say that, like, again, I, I considered this the unreliable narrator and not the secondhand account, because honestly, I also not only subscribe to the idea that he tried to kill himself, and I actually honestly think that probably Rick Jones was out there for trying not really great reasons. Oh, I, think, I think Rick was trying to kill himself. <laughs> and <laughs> so... 
Uh, simply put, but I'm also of the opinion, especially early on, that like Bruce is the Hulk. Like this whole notion that they're separate entities early on, especially in this series, I don't think it's actually I don't think it's I don't think it's the case. I think that Bruce is actually the Hulk and, and knows exactly what he's doing. He, he he's got gamma going through his body. He doesn't really understand how to use this power. It's manifesting itself in kind of weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's having, you know, obviously it's having an impact on like certain, I guess, mental faculties or whatever, or maybe he's just trying to simplify things. But I think at the heart, he's not a separate entity. He's he's Banner. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, the Hulk respects Betty. Yeah. yeah. And loves Betty. I mean. Right. I, I think it's one of those things where, and so in this, in this instance, I feel like in this, especially this first issue, I think every single time the Hulk's on and Banner's like, yeah, yeah, it was the Hulk or whatever. I think he's trying to, He's trying to personally separate himself mm-hmm. from that. Like he doesn't want to be an active participant in these uh, in these things. Like he he wants to say like no 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 he's he's again it's that whole notion I think that Peter David talked about with the the feeling shame about being the Hulk okay. instead of like embracing the fact that like now he's different now he does he is something else and like he doesn't know how to deal with that so he's like yeah 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 I, I, it was somebody else it was this other thing instead mm-hmm. of like no I, I i became that i became so primal and 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 simple uh because again I, I just didn't know what to do with what had just happened to me like the the trauma of surviving a nuclear blast like, yeah. I mean, come on like what would you do like i, don't know. I, I would personally get into a lead-lined refrigerator and uh <laughs> hope that the the blast radius carries me to safety that that's that's my point i've seen it i've seen it work before i think it's like, i think it's okay yeah. there were aliens though eventually anyway uh, <laughs> i was gonna ask because i i'm not a big avengers guy mm-hmm. and so was it ever established what rick jones was doing out there in the first place not to the best of my knowledge. Uh, yeah. I think I think he went out there on a dare. Like I think that was the canon reason. He's yes. like, oh, I'll show those guys. Like I'm, I'm tough. I'm, I'm brave. I can, I can do this. Like I think that's what it was. But also, I feel like, especially with comics, especially with like something so primal and primordial to, to comic lore, right? Because this is just like, like how many different ways have you heard a Greek myth? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, like I, I guess I've heard so many different versions. I'm just gonna pick whichever one I like most and subscribe to that one. I I think that's the case at this point, yeah. but I I can't say for sure. And also, they'll, they'll wreck on it in a few years again. Anyway, right. I don't even know if Rick Jones is alive or not right now. That dude, well, I, dude's, I, that dude really goes through it. I have <laughs> some bizarre memory. I think it's from issue one where he's actually. I think in the original story, I think he's playing a harmonica. I think he's sitting out there like with his legs up in the middle of a car, yeah. like playing a harmonica, just like who cares what's going on, which is again, why I feel like both of these characters really messed up both lost individuals. <laughs> and I think that's why eventually they became friends because they saw in each other, like what they were missing. Like really they were like, whether you call that the father son relationship, whether you call that like found friends or, or found family Rick needed somebody like Bruce and Bruce needed somebody like Rick. Um, you know, they, 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 they became what was necessary. It's, it's weird later on that Rick then serves the same 
role for Captain America and Steve after he gets out of the ice. Like he's the exact same role for that guy. It's like he's the finder of lost heroes. Like he's like, I'm the guy that will support you, you know, so that you can get back on your feet and then I'll move on to Captain Marvel or whoever. It's just, he's Rick Jones is an interesting character, honestly. He, so. he, he is, yeah. And there's one, there's one interesting scene in this book. There's a bunch in, in this issue where, um, Leonard is like showing Bruce pictures of people and like we know them to be key characters in, in Bruce's life. And so he shows a picture of General Ross and uh, the first word that comes to mind is hate. And Leonard asks, you hate him? He says, no, other way around. Yeah. Then he shows him a photo of Rick Jones and blame, you blame Rick. No, he blames himself, don't you think? And then he sees a picture of Betty and he's just like, where the fuck did you get this? I haven't seen this photo in years. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, they, they jump off that pretty quick. Um, there's just some interesting character moments in this. Like General Ross is uh, Betty's father and technically, I guess, Bruce Banner's boss. And um, when he's caught in the blast saving saving Rick, uh, <laughs> Ross is like yelling about like how they need to find Banner. And like his response is like, this country is not going to lose an asset. Like doesn't care about the person, Bruce Banner, just cares about the, the you know, the, 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 cold, the Cold War hero, uh, Bruce Banner, which... I think it kind of tells you everything you need to know about Ross pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that and the fact that it also is telling, you know, with um, the fact that, like, even I think, like, I think Betty knows that Bruce became the Hulk in mm. that moment the first time she sees him. I think Ross knows that Bruce is the Hulk. And I think that, like, plays into why Ross hounds him for the rest of this series and then later on with all the comic books. I think it's because, like, Ross doesn't want to be replaced. Like, he doesn't want somebody bigger, tougher, stronger stepping in and basically doing his job, which is, like, he's got this tight control over Betty. He's got to take control over his universe. Control is his thing. And so when somebody comes in and is like, no, I'm stronger, tougher, better than you, he can't take it. He's got this. It's like it's like uh, what the J. Jonah Jameson and the inferiority complex. Like it's like I want to be that, but I can't. Mm -hmm. But I think too to piggyback off that, I think Banner represents his failures. It represents his failure to do whatever experiment they're trying to do with the gamma blasts. It represents his failure in the way that he's raised his daughter that she'd you know fall for someone like Banner. Uh, you know, and when you're introduced to Ross. In these color books, he's he's red with rage. This was years before the whole Red Hulk thing. Spoiler alert! But uh, you know, it represents that thing that he can't handle. This guy that wants to be in control and wants to move all the pieces in place. You know, it, it's representative. It's the the metaphor of his failures come to life, and you know, something he can't control. No matter where the Hulk goes or what the Hulk does, he can never quite, you know, uh, corral him. Yeah. And it's also the reason why it's it's amazing how every single time he sees Bruce after Bruce becomes the Hulk. Right. He always calls him like a milksop and like this skinny, scrawny guy. And again, I think it's because he knows that Bruce is actually the Hulk. So it's his way of saying, like, right now you're not the Hulk. So I can like poke you. I can I can like say I'm better than you because I know what inner strength you have, actually. And like how I can't, I can't overcome that. I can't even come close to that inner strength. And I see it every single time you become the Hulk. And like, that scares me because it's something I, you know, I, 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 I just can never tap into. So 
And it's, it's a reason why eventually he'd be like, yeah, give me Hulk powers. Because I always wanted them. I wanted to be better than Banner. And so eventually... That's I, that's I, a I, that's a really interesting read that I don't think makes sense until 2008 when that new Hulk <laughs> book came out, comes out. I just think he's a douchebag. Like, I I, like, I just think he's a, <laughs> like a real piece of shit yeah. is, the, is the problem. He's kind of... He's this weird combination of King Lear and Prosper. Like, I'm, I'm mishmashing these two different, like, Shakespeare characters. But, like, Prospero, the controlling father... Um, and then, uh, like Hulk is like this weird mixture actually of like Caliban and, and Ariel, right? Like the, those two, like, uh, spirits and, and, and monster, like under his control on that Island. And then, um, uh, King Lear, just like a shitty dad, like, like, just like, <laughs> like what he does to his daughters. Like he's this weird mixture and like, she's an only child. It's like, this is not a perfect metaphor, obviously, but man, he's just a fucking dickhead. Like I, I just, uh, <laughs> Like every time I see him, like he's just like everything I don't like about generals in movies. Where I'm just like, you're, you're like you're, you're 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 such a piece of shit. Like we're supposed to trust you. Like you know where the bombs are. Are you kidding? Like you're a to- <laughs> you're a toddler. Like you have the patience of a child. Right. These are the people that are, are put in charge of those things. Uh, unreal. There's one great quote where Bruce is narrating over so like yeah like this is all like him sort of like rehashing the past he's basically telling different stories to his therapist that is the conceit for the story that is all six issues that that's what happens and so he's narrating his first outing as the hulk and he says why does a man who could have used his brain to find a cure for cancer uh to find a way to help mankind build a weapon of mass destruction maybe that's why i could never be seen as the hero maybe this was the price i had to pay for unleashing the gamma bomb into the world yeah that self-reflection about him not being a hero. But then there's also this book called Planetary, which had a, a zero issue, right? And that was very much like aping on the Hulk. And uh, there's a very specific line back then that came out in 1999 where it's just like, because back then a bomb builder could be a hero. Like a scientist was a hero back in the day. And it's just really fascinating where it really is just like, it d- depends who you ask. See, I thought you were going to dip into New Avengers whenever Sauron has them all uh captive mm-hmm. and uh peter parker looks at him and he's like with your scientific ability you could uh you could cure cancer but you're just turning people into dinosaurs he's like i like dinosaurs it's like but i don't <laughs> want to cure cancer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no i think when you go into some of the stuff that uh i, I believe was bill mantlow first introduced about peter or da- er, peter david <laughs> about bruce banner coming from an abusive household and like you have this person who in his mind's eye no matter how talented he is no matter how smart he is he's never going to measure up and everything he's going to do is going to end terrible and wrong and so he you know he built this bomb and he can't even you know he'll never be able to let himself live that down he's always going to have that guilt he's always going to have that shame mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know oh Yes. Also, sorry. At the beginning of this book, he, he's talking to, to Leonard, too. And he says that, like, oh, yeah, to understand the ABCs of me, like, you really got to go back to the Gamma Bomb. And so that's why each chapter has its own. A is for Apple. And then B is for, well, look at there. In fact, let, let's let's go there now. Hulk Grade 2 comes out October 28, <laughs> 2003. Uh, I just want to say really quickly, this has a sick cover. All these covers are great, but issue two in particular it has the Hulk like on the edges of, of the page and the way his mouth is caught on the edge of the page. It just, it looks like an infinite mouth because it, it's not like uh, confined within the page and it's like all white and it's just, Oh, it's beautiful. I, I love, 
I love yeah. covers with with white backgrounds in particular. I just think it's so cool. Yeah, the use of the negative space there where the Hulk becomes part of that negative space. So yeah. good. So freaking good. And this one is called B is for Boy. <clears throat> Issue opens and Hulk knocks on Betty's door and is greeted by the young woman who bravely hits him and asks where her love, Bruce Banner, is. He lifts her up and she faints in his arms as General Ross arrives with a squad of soldiers, their laser sights all trained on Hulk. Before they can open fire, he slams his foot on the ground and disorients them. He places Betty safely on the ground and takes off, with Ross promising to send his army after him. The next day, Rick Jones follows a trail of destruction and finds an unconscious Bruce Banner lying amongst it. The two make their way to a nuclear waste storage site where Bruce has Rick lock him inside and says, don't open this door under any circumstance unless you're talking to me. He quickly transforms into Hulk and just just starts beating the shit out of that door, man. Makes Rick <laughs> real scared. He runs off. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is the issue, um, again, that I, I keep on going back to. Like, every, everybody knows. Like Ross knows, Betty knows when she first knocks on the door. You want to, you know, what's a nice thing about this is, um, you know, I think later on um, when you read, if you read, get this in trade, you can read the, the, the back matter, which are the sketchbooks. And they talk about how Tim Sale drew the Hulk a lot, like more, almost like a Neanderthal with the big sloping brow. Yeah. And it, again, it, it, it taps into that whole primitive beauty and the beast kind of uh trope that is very ingrained in all of us and and and, and i i feel like that scene where she she opens the door and she's like where's my love like where's again she knows she knows at that exact moment that she's talking to banner and she's like you're, you're not you can't be banner like you can't be like this like you're 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 sweet and you're kind you're not this hulking monster of a guy you know turn back into who i i know you as like you don't have to be like this and 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 he's scared he doesn't know but at the same time he he also doesn't i think at that time he doesn't want to because mm -hmm. he he he's starting to understand that like this is part of who he is now and like her not accepting that it hurts it hurts he's being he's being rejected by the person that he loves it's like being in a uh you know a car accident and i don't know being horribly you know maybe having some scars on your face and you're you, oh you're not as handsome as you used to be well crap i was just in a car accident like of course i'm not as handsome as i used to be like you can't have it both ways anymore betty i'm i'm this and i think that's where again i think it's where bruce against i in my opinion starts breaking away from and separating himself from the Hulk because he's starting to feel shame for the first time. Like Betty's like, I don't like who you are. I'm sorry. This is who I am. Like you have to accept this. And if you don't accept this, then fine. I'll pretend I'm somebody else or I'll go and lock myself in this thing so I can turn back and never become this again because Betty doesn't love me like this. Um, and that's really powerful. I, I, I just, I'm so glad that this book is not Hulk green. Because Hulk Gray is what Hulk is in this. He is that shade of gray. He's not black. He's not white. He's gray in this. He's not good. He's not bad. He is what he is. He's somewhere in between. And people can't seem to accept that. And 
I don't know. I, I've done uh, a lot of talking. Uh, Hulk, Hulk is Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hulk is Hulk. <laughs> and people can't accept it. And that is, that's when he starts being like, no, I, I have to be somebody else. I have to be Banner or whatever. Oh. And that's why he's like, I hate Banner. Because yeah. like, I'm not Banner anymore. I'm Hulk. Betty mm-hmm. wants Banner. Hulk hates Banner. Right. So, yeah, Banner hates Banner. Uh, most of us, I think, would hate Banner. <laughs> There's a really interesting exchange here between uh, Samson and, sorry, Leonard Samson, they're same person, and and Bruce Banner in the present. And uh, he says, I went out there to help Rick. Why? You don't know the boy. He put himself in harm's way. And in, what, six seconds? He'd be an ashtray and no one the wiser. Nobody would miss some orphan kid who, we're talking about a human life, Leonard. So it wasn't okay for Rick to die. But you, on the other hand... What are you saying? That I wanted to die? You're the one with the guilt of having built the bomb, Bruce. You tell me. I have a therapist. Uh, I've never been pressed with such a tough question from my therapist, which is awesome. Glad I haven't been put in that position yet. But is this is this the proof you want that he was trying to kill himself? Well, I think Andy? there's an expression Bruce out Jeff? there where it's it's easier to die for a cause than it is to live for one. And, you know, like Banner was trying to take, at least in my head, and this might just be a total projection on my part, you know, if he goes out and he saves Rick Jones and he dies, he dies a hero saving this kid. Mm. And, you know, he can absolve himself of the guilt of building this bomb. He can absolve himself from all the damage and all the things that he holds himself accountable for that he shouldn't hold himself accountable for. You know, all that stuff could be wiped out in a heroic gesture. Mm. But instead of just makes him become more of who he is. It makes him, you know, lean into the monster side, you know, which isn't something that uh, he particularly wants or is uh, is happy about. I, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I read that issue, the, the very first Hulk issue. I think it was like a, a freebie that came with a Marvel Legends figure. I, I still don't really understand what his plan was. Like, he drives out there, and this is just like in the context of, of, of the original issue. And he like sees, sees him out there, and he like pushes him into a trench. And so he's safe in the trench, which is still like an exposed open air trench in the presence of the gamma bomb. Yeah, yeah, and, don't and think Bruce, too much about that. And Bruce in front of it, it's just like, oh, so fuck, if I were only four feet away and lower, then then I would have been fine. I guess I also don't understand like why he thinks he would have been an asteroid and why Rick Jones wouldn't have become the Hulk. Like the, the fact that like that doesn't even cross his mind, that he just thinks Rick is just going to... Uh, putrefy and, and and just be gone. I I don't understand that logic in a world with nothing but incredible fantastic shit. But uh. maybe it's the DC theory that like uh, he had the metagene mm-hmm. and Banner was always meant to be the Hulk, whereas Rick Jones, you know, without Negabands, he's not that. Hulk. That's something that's happened before. And Andy, like I think even you were talking about that too, right? Where it's like he's always been the Hulk, and like the Gamma was like what unleashed that, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, it is realized the metaphor. I think to Chad's point where he talks about how. Um, you know, wanting to be the hero and having that heroic gesture of pushing. I mean, because to your point, George, why couldn't uh, why couldn't of uh, Bruce Banner ran out there, grabbed Rick, and both dove into the ditch? Why did he push Rick and then just stand there like a goon for two seconds? Like, I mean, it, it he wanted to get hit by whatever he wanted to make that gesture. It's the same reason why early on, the Hulk, you know, when he's still like. This is like early in the Hulk's career. He still has a lot of his mental faculties. He doesn't talk like a, you know, a four-year-old yet. Um, he decides to join the Avengers. Like the Avengers offered, and he becomes one of the founding members of the Avengers. 
Why? Because deep down, he, he wants to be a hero. He wants people to accept him. Like, like he went to Betty and said, like, look who I am. Like, I am the only person that could get superpowers. Superpowers beyond measure. And sure, I look ugly, but nobody accepts me because I the way I look. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that's hard. That's harsh. And so, like, he's like, well, I'll be a hero. And then it turns out that, like, people still distrust him. People on his own same team. Issue two of the Avengers, Space Phantom shows up. And they don't even give him the benefit of the doubt that, like, some guy from Lim- some space alien could have, like, you know, transformed into him. Now he's like, oh, it's the Hulk. He's always going to be mean. And, of course, that's why he leaves. Because he's <laughs> like, you guys are a bunch of douches. Like, you didn't even give me a chance to, like, explain myself. Like, he just accepted, ah, he's the monster, like, everybody. And so, like, I get it. That's, I think, why the Hulk, like, speaks to me. Because mm-hmm. we're always, we've always been in that position where you're like, why did you ever give me the benefit of the doubt? Like, you always think, you know, the worst of, you know, you ex- you assume the worst. We've all been in a situation with that with friends. I, I, I don't know. That's just me. Chad, anything else? Needs to go? Yes? Nope. No. All right, George? Yeah. Uh, before we move on to issue three, uh, this issue really complicates the relationship between Ross and Betty, too. Uh, Betty is, of course, traumatized, I guess, by by her interaction with the Hulk. And Ross tries to put it her bed. He goes rummaging through, like, old medicine cabinet and finds some of his uh, deceased wife's prescription. Here's and uh, sleeping pills. Yeah, and tries to give them to her. It's like, oh, yeah, your mother used to have these. They would, they would help her sleep. And then... Um, they would help calm her down. Yeah, when, when she got hysterical. Uh, and then he, like, laments kind of having a daughter to her while she's, like, he thinks she's, like, asleep and he thinks he's just talking out loud, which seems like a bad move as a parent, personally. Like, I don't know why you put those <laughs> thoughts out there. I don't have kids, but, like, I'm probably, hopefully not going to do that it, while I'm, like, you know, expressing disappointment <laughs> in my kids. Like, maybe just keep that one to me. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, baseball, oh, we yeah, always just, wanted a boy. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to play baseball. Always asking why girls can't be soldiers. I always thought we'd have more children, a boy. But your mother, there are days when you look just like her, and I worry that you'll be just like her. And then Bruce's narration comes in right after that. I'll never understand how a woman with so much heart could come from a home that had none to give. Yeah, it's <sighs> it's dark stuff. It's dark stuff. The. It, it, it he does a great job of crafting that the, there's there's more than one monster in this book mm-hmm. um for sure well, i was gonna say too before we jump off of this issue it, it, it establishes the rick uh banner relationship where rick jones is like listen i come with the dinner like you saved my life everybody else i know has walked out on me like i'm sticking with you mm-hmm. and so and so bruce tests that by uh making Rick Jones sit there as he hulks out and tries to destroy everything. (laughs) Again, he just wants somebody to, and that's why he keeps Rick around because Rick accepts him for who he is. Both sides. He, he never blinks an eye. He's like, all right, dude, you're the Hulk. We've, that's fine. I I think we talked about this before in the podcast. Rick might be the most like realistic person to be in the Marvel universe because like the whole, like, Oh, mutants are gross. Get out of here. Dirty mutie. If I had a fucking friend who could shoot concussive, concussive, like, blast out of his eyes i'll be like okay dude here's a here's a can uh <laughs> he, you know like okay here here's a balloon um okay, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna set this action figure up at the end of the yard like i i wouldn't be 
I like, wouldn't be freaked out immediately by mutants. I would be like, oh, that's kind of fucking cool. Oh, the guy can pop claws out of his out of his hands. Like I can turn into organic bio steel. That's pretty neat. Uh, and then Rick Jones, blue sunglasses. <laughs> and then Rick Jones, ones? yeah, Rick Jones is just like, hey man, yeah, you Hulk out. That's 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 chill. That's tight. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Issue three came out November nineteenth, two thousand three, and it's titled "C is for Cry." Bruce recounts to Leonard the first time Hulk ever killed anything, a bunny that was gray just like him. In anger about being alone and called a monster, Hulk brings down the mountain he accidentally killed his little furry friend on. Rick Jones is brought in by Ross for questioning with a mysterious mustached man there overseeing the interrogation. Rick is a perfect smartass, not budging an inch when suddenly the Hulk bursts through after finding Rick's jacket in the desert and following the tread marks of the truck he was abducted in. You think he's grabbing Rick when he takes Betty and jumps off. The mysterious man tells Ross that the army doesn't think Ross can bring in the Hulk, and Ross doesn't think this dude can bring him in, so he'll prove them both wrong. Betty comes to by a lake when suddenly Hulk is blasted with a repulsor ray. The mustached man was none other than Tony Stark, and here he is in his golden Mark II armor challenging the Hulk. Yeah. Man, I I won't lie. I love that. I love that old-ass iron man armor i really yeah. do it's built like a you know like a, a battleship you can see the rivets on it even in its gold oh uh, dude form. yeah it, it's it's like it's iron man armor the way that like if you look at photos of like submarines from the civil war you're like i i guess that's a submarine yeah like a, <laughs> te- technically sure or like you know like an old like ironclad and you're like yeah. You're like, yeah, that's a battleship. But I, I, it, it's so, it's so, it's so like, I don't know, it's so hulking that you don't want to mess with it. Like that's that's the perfect, that's the perfect version of Iron Man to fight against this particular Hulk because not only is it the same time period, like early Marvel or whatever, but like both of them are kind of like these hulking masses. Like they're just like both of these are just like. No, I don't want to see these things in a dark alley. These neither of these things look human. Um, and like again, I think at Hulk, I don't know if it's this issue or the next issue, he calls him robot. Yeah. And it does look like something from like the 1950s and like I don't yeah, know, like, like a B movie, yeah, like you know, Forbidden Planet or something. Yeah, like, right. like, like Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it really taps into that um, I don't know, that just a 1950s monster movie. Mm-hmm. Where like you know Frankenstein versus the Wolfman and oh man that stuff's yeah. I eat that stuff with a spoon every day That's versus great. Robo Wolfman yeah <laughs> right it's monsters versus robots so why do you think what real quickly George why do you think Hulk shows up real pissed that they took Rick but the moment he gets there he sees Betty and he's just like nah forget my dude you can stay here I'll take Betty you're you're right that like it doesn't make sense for them to be two different entities if he gives this much of a shit about Betty. Like that that makes perfect sense, right? Like it's not like the Hulk could just care about Betty without the context of him also being Banner. Um that said, I guess I just don't think he's as in control. Like I think it really is like like Bruce becomes like Hulk is Banner's subconscious, right? And so whenever Banner's exposed to something that he's, like, not relating well to, that's when he turns into the Hulk. And then I think flip side, Banner then becomes Hulk's subconscious. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, that that je ne sais quoi, that thing you can't explain, the the thing that's just off the tip of your tongue, but makes perfect sense in the situation. And so 
I don't think it's I don't think it's like one to one. I love the image of him like frozen behind the eyes watching like like a like a TV, right? Like I love that visualization of the Hulk banner relationship. And like I think I think that's kind of what they were doing in like the recent Hulk book, like Starship Hulk, right? Where like oh, Hulk yeah. where Hulk like or Bruce like hijacked Banner's brain. Wild stuff. I don't know if it's good, but I know I've read every issue. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say that I'm, much. Um, I'm in a similar boat, but I'm a few issues behind. But yeah, uh, it's good uh, time. I, yeah, I didn't sub to that book. I'm going at Marvel and limited speed on that one. I'm like, ah, let's, let's see where this goes. That's but, Donny uh, Cates, man. He has those crazy ideas that, like, it might just work. Yeah, god damn that. Well, that first arc of Thor was just like, okay, yeah. Black Winter, baby. Yeah, I'm here well, for that, it. That, <laughs> that's my favorite, actually. Is the his the Thor versus Hulk that he wrote? Um, that five oh. issue arc. If you've read that, that's because mm -hmm. they flip, they flip, they flip flop. You know, Hulk becomes Thor, Thor becomes Hulk, and they they switch places. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I would have never even thought of that, but that's brilliant, <laughs> and uh, it works. So. Sorry, we don't talk about current comics here. It's 2003, yeah. baby. <laughs> sorry, Let's, sorry, sorry. Let me let me get out my Motorola Razor and go to the movie phone <laughs> app and <laughs> and see what time Kill Bill is playing at the local cinema. Uh, there's there's one quote here. Uh, first off, I love the allusion to the beginning where it's him holding a, a fucking soft little creature. And it's so clearly just like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Oh, like, yeah. Just objectively just ripped off like that scene from from the book by Steinbeck and uh, he's like sitting there he's just like oh I love you like you're great like Hulk uh, like you're you're so kind you're so sweet and then he's just like why are you wet and it's just like the bunny's just covered in blood because he was petting the bunny <laughs> a little too hard and like that's what causes them to fucking freak out uh but like they're just like talking about like how amazing it is that like in every hulk rampage because like like i said the conceit of this book him talking to samson is in the future like all this stuff is like him reminiscing about his first day first 40 hours as the hulk whatever and uh like no one's ever been killed like yeah there's been property damage and and like materials damage but like no one's ever been hurt and he uh, leonard says why do you think no one ever got killed bruce Bruce says, I wish I could answer that, Leonard. And there are days when I don't want to know as long as it's true. There are days uh, when there are days when I could convince myself that Ross put his own men in harm's way, hoping he could show the world I was the monster he wanted me to be. Yeah. And once again, you get to the, the basic psychology here where is it true? I mean, how could it be true? that no one's ever been killed in a Hulk battle. I mean, go back to that first issue when he's swatting away some of those soldiers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's the Sal Bushima punch where they're flying backwards. And you're, you're telling me nobody ever uh, failed to get up from one of those Hulk swats? That's, that's why postmodernism ruined comic books, right? Because it's just like, well, clearly he, like, shattered that guy's fibula and then probably bled <laughs> out. You know, like, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> like, it, what's his nuts? Like, the dude on uh, Mythbusters, right? Like, uh... Who's like the dummy they always set up? Is it Baxter or okay. something? They they have like this dummy that they set up with like uh they have like little monitors that they can place on them and to like test like the intensity of explosions. And like if an explosion is like too high of an intensity, it will like disrupt the rhythm of your heart and like kill right. you that kill you that way. Buster is his name. Duh. There you go. It's I remember Adam and Jamie. I didn't remember the dummies' names. Yeah, Buster. And so that's one of those things where it's like, oh, so like he he was pretty far away from that explosion. Like he still died. And then the Hulk, it's like, yeah, I know he only like backhanded him, but like he um 
you planted him into that wall pretty pretty tough there. Uh, it's a pretty sudden stop for how fast he went. Yeah, but boy, I don't think I'm glad I don't he's th- okay. I don't think that guy's walking again. Technically, that's why postmodernism is the worst fucking thing ever, and we need to go back. We need we need to go back to just modernism. We got, we got to take it back. <laughs> but it's you know so much of what you know has followed the Hulk are all these military reports, and we go back to Ross not wanting to admit failures. Like any deaths would be an admission of failure. So you you don't think they're just government cover ups? Yeah. I think we're going to get into that in the next issue. Well, I will say this too. Um, it's interesting. I think this is the first issue of the of this particular series where you start talking about like again, maybe the Hulk. I'm not going to say blaming Ross, but he he kind of in in that in that comment about like oh, Ross always wanted me to be out to the me, me be made out to be the monster. So if I killed somebody, he'd be right. Um, again, it's like. The guy can't get over the fact that, like, there's this douchebag that is the dad of her, of his, of his love. And, like, instead of just, like, explaining, like, yeah, this guy's a, a bad guy. He's like, ah, oh, Ross, it's all, it's always been Ross. It's the reason why I do sing sometimes. Instead of, like, taking some responsibility for the fact that, like, no, you, you do these things because y- you were angry. You were you were frustrated. You were yeah. mad. You had power. Your white, your your love was saying you were a jerk. Like it's okay. You can accept that. That's you don't mean. have to blame it on somebody else. So much of this book is uh, Banner. Just uh, I don't know how to how to phrase this, but uh, so Banner's the monster, and Ross is the monster's monster. So he has someone to blame. Everything goes back to him blaming Thunderbolt Ross in one way or another. Because it's easy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to accept that guilt. He doesn't have to deal with his own problems as long as he can blame Thunderbolt Ross. Right. And not to say that Thunderbolt Thunderbolt Ross is some sort of saint. He's not. Like, obviously, the guy's a complete douchebag. But at the same time, like, you can deal with douchebags (laughs) in a more (laughs) constructive, healthy manner. Mm -hmm. uh, And just being like, yeah, that's why I just tried to destroy, like, all these planes. Like, because... Because it was Ross, not because like I was angry at Ross, but it was me. Like I did it. Like I, was, I did it. I was. Just I was angry. mad at the military-industrial complex for forcing me to build the gamma bomb in the first place. So exactly. I thought if we had if we had no weapons of war, we'd have no reason for people like me. Right. Oh man, there's there's a fucking Hulk book for you. Um, yeah, yeah. How dare they make me do that thing that I did? <laughs> that I clearly, plus the fact I clearly that, like, wanted to do. Yeah. He also he also fights Iron Man. In this series, right? We're going to get into that in issue four. That, that, is, the yeah, next, like, that is the next issue. Yeah. We get there. He, Iron Man is the quintessential representation of the military industrial complex. He is a walking weapon. And so, like, the fact that he's like, yeah, now I get to beat that thing up. Just like the rest of them. That's awesome. That's that's how you write a story. That's good stuff. That I, I don't know what else to say. Let's let's jump into that good stuff. Hulk Gray, December 16th, 2003, titled D is for Dog. And you're gonna find out why. Because I got a I got a long quote that I'm probably not gonna read all of and just allude to, but D is for dog is important. Iron Man blasts Hulk into the rock face of a nearby canyon wall and tries to comfort Betty, thinking he'd defeated him. Hulk punched circuitry out of Iron Man's chest plate, and when Betty asks what he wants with her, the Hulk freezes. He looks like a kid too nervous to ask someone to prom. 
Iron Man grabs him by the wrist and flies him up high into the sky, dropping him down to the lake below. Shocked that Hulk survived the fall, Iron Man knows he's outmatched, saying this isn't even the right arbor for what he's trying to do. He had no idea he was this tough. Hulk starts beating the ever-living shit out of Iron Man, just pummeling away. Betty intervenes and tries to stop Hulk from killing him, but Hulk accidentally hits her and knocks her unconscious. Seeing her bleed like the rabbit he killed, he grabs her, absolutely terrified and looking for a way to help her. Uh, Ross arrives, unaware that Tony Stark is Iron Man and leaves him there to be recovered by Stark. Realizing Hulk has an interest in Betty, he sets out to learn why. So, this issue is entitled D is for Dog. There's a really long story, and my episodes usually go long anyway, so I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, but he tells a story about a dog that's tied up uh, by, by his owner, and the owner pulls out a gun and starts shooting at the dog. Not shooting the dog, but shooting at the tree that the dog is tied up to. And he does this just repeatedly. Like, gets drunk, shoots near the dog, blasts tree bark into the yard, all this shit. And then uh, after he gets bored, like after days of this, he finally like lets the dog loose and the dog immediately goes up and just bites the owner's shooting hand, bites through the bone, bites through the muscle, and it actually just bites the owner's hand off. And so Leonard, Bruce, in your story between you and Jenna Ross, which one of you is a dog and which is the owner? And then Bruce says, there are days when I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Oh, that that shit was really good this entire issue is just a fight and normally i don't like those issues because they go by i think incredibly fast and i feel like i don't get my money's worth but uh it turns out when you have tim sale art which is something we probably haven't talked about enough this book uh it turns out you do get your money's worth you get your money's worth in every single panel of a tim sale drawn book so oh, what did you that, what did you think of the fight i was gonna say that scene where betty is you know her head's on the rock and then the hulk sees the blood Mm -hmm. and then just that scream of anguish like oh like the hulk is so simple he's he's lenny yeah and just oh it, it's heartbreaking and sale does such a great job of conveying that emotion and just taking this monster and stopping him cold and then the very next scene is hulk jumping away and you see the determination in his eyes like hulk is going to do whatever hulk can do to make it right but you know oh i don't know there's a lot there yeah the, the tim sale art is is incredible in this even from the first issue the first page when yeah. you see like you know basically the reflection of the hulk um and it's even more distorted than the hulk normally looks just simply because again it's the it's the reflection off of iron man's you know golden armor as he's supposed to be like you know this golden defender of truth and justice and you see this ugly creature coming at him uh, um man betty sorry retainer jack betty has like the most amazing quote where she says figures my father's idea of a knight in shining armor would be a man dressed up like a tank yeah <laughs> yeah um this issue i i want to go back to that quote about the dog and the story about the dog because Again, I I think it is uh, an encapsulation of the Ross Hulk relationship in which like who's the who's the guy with the gun and who's the dog um, because um, you know after the initial explosion and you know again to my opinion Ross knows that Hulk, you know Bruce has turned into the Hulk and can't deal with it it's just an ex escalation of this cold war between them. 
-hmm. Like they're going to, you know, the Hulk's got this massive strength. Ross has this huge army. They're just going to keep on throwing punches at back and forth at each other just simply because like neither one of them wants to admit who they really are at the base, that they're both not the best people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they both want to be the hero of their own story. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't know, like it's. Yeah. They're both monsters, it, but they both think they're the hero of their own story. And that's what keeps them from going over that line. Yeah. Well, and accepting each other. I mean, that's the other thing. Like it would be so easy for, and later on it happens. Like eventually in the real book, um, you know, it, it happens in the late sixties, early seventies. Like everybody knows that Bruce is the Hulk mm-hmm. and he, you know, Thunderbolt is even to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm okay with Bruce. I just don't like the Hulk. Right. Like I'm okay with Bruce marrying Betty. And as long as Bruce doesn't want to be the Hulk, I'm fine with this. And it's because again, like what, what's the Bruce, what is Bruce to, you know, Ross, like that's admitting like he's not as strong as, you know, oh, you want to be Bruce? That's fine. I could beat Bruce up. Like when you become the Hulk, it's something I can't deal with. So like, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know, like that, this issue, it's not my favorite one, but it's my second favorite. My second, my favorite issue is coming. It's the, it's, it's issue five. Issue five is by far the best issue of this entire run yeah i think it's um, the most par- i think it's the most powerful one for sure um, um bef- before we move on from this issue though just a, a few quick notes uh i, I counted I, I wrote out the entire story that he tells samson it is 216 words mm. yeah that, that doesn't sound like a lot of words but it's a pretty it's a pretty long quote and i love how jeff Loeb broke it up so sparsely where it really did feel like almost like text messages you were getting from someone who like just didn't want to send like one text, but like, you know, would just like break it up into like fragments almost. I think it made it read a lot better and like actually made it. So I was, I felt like I was turning the page faster just because I was not aware of this parable. Like I I read this book in high school, but I haven't read it since I've been kind of neglecting my my Jeff Lobies and my my Tim Saley's. But uh, I forgot the story, and I was just like, I, I couldn't turn the page fast enough as I was like revisiting this. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a natural ex- escalation of the mm-hmm. story. Like things build on things as that story is progressing, and it's again sometimes it is just the nature of good storytelling how you yeah. can build to a climax, and you're like, oh crap, that that dog bit that hand. Oh, are you the dog, Bruce? Don't know anymore. I'm not sure. I thought I was at one point, but yeah, no. Ross could be the dog. Honestly, I've done enough crap to him over my my life. Also, yeah, alluded to it earlier too in this in this podcast, but talking about like the incredulity, I guess, of 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 Samson is just like, wait, you're telling me that like you tell me you fought Iron Man before he was with the Avengers because like that's not public record like that that's not absolutely like, that that's not what we talked about like that that's not what everyone knows the story to be and then he's just like are you saying that there was like some kind of governmental Avengers like conspiracy to cover up a story about the Hulk defeating one of the Avengers he's just like Samson come on man do you think they want the story out there like it was just like so so interesting because like last week's episode we talked uh with Carlos about Spider-Man Blue 
And Carlos is just an encyclopedia. I fucking love Carlos. If you guys ever want to talk about a Spider-Man story and you're looking for someone to come on, please hit up Carlos. Uh, but he just like he was able to like just drop without like looking it up like yeah technically this happened before it happened in the issue so like that was a little out of order like a little out of continuity wise and so for them to like have like a backdoor logic as to like why this event happened but like technically was like out of continuity because like he acts like he's seeing him for the first time in in the avengers book right and it got just I like that. I, I like that a lot. I, I got yeah. a little I got a little drunk in the last episode and I kept saying uh continuity should be a uh, a tool, not a rule. And uh, <laughs> I think I don't know if I'm the first person to ever say that. there's no way I'm the first person to ever say that because that sounds really good. Um That's great rhyme. Thank you. Thank you. I listened to a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of nineties <laughs> hip hop to get there and a lot of <laughs> a lot of really aggressively average two thousands emo to get there a as lot well. CeeLo. Eh, not really my speed more i was more of a more of a tribe guy growing up oh there you go i, I had older older siblings so they were <laughs> thankfully cool so i didn't have to be uh but i think here they actually figured out a way to thread the needle and like tell a story like this like a retroactive reimagining of the silver age without breaking the established lore convention that that we all know right because like the fact that these are all set in stone, like it really is like lyrics to a song where it's just like, no, you're getting the words wrong if you're doing something sort of like out of order like this. But with such a simple twist that is like very much in the character alignment, right, of Ross and and Anthony, sorry, Tony, to like cover up this interaction that like is embarrassing for them. Like I, yeah, I just right? think that's, that's smart in terms of retroactive storytelling. And no, the best retcons are the ones that make sense the entire time. Right. Yeah, you're like later on, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that 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 makes sense. It's like Mary Jane knowing that Spider-Man, Peter Parker was Spider-Man the whole time. Mm-hmm. You go back and reread those issues. You're like, like, oh yeah, she was covering for him yeah. all that time. Man. Yeah. No, I the other last thing I'll say about the Tim's Dale art, I want to say real quickly, and the reason why this is my second favorite issue is because this this issue reminds me a lot of New Frontier and Darwin Cook. Just simply because of the reimagining of like characters from the Silver Age that we really, really know in such a dynamic and I don't know, just interesting way. Like, like this is a gorgeous looking. I mean, you sometimes you look at that um that old Iron Man armor and it looks clunky and you're like, why would anybody like, but <laughs> here again, there's just something about the way that Tim Sell draws it. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, that looks nice. There's that timeless aspect, and it makes sense. Like, Tony Stark is a a military-industrial complex guy. Like, his motivations make sense. The motivations for covering it up make sense. Everything tracks, and it Mm -hmm. all fits into the puzzle. And so, you know, and then when you look at sales art, there's, I I keep saying timeless, there's a simplicity there that just makes it blend in so easily. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not trying so much that it's like oh you know it doesn't work it just it just all fits we talked about it on the spider-man blue episode too but it's like there there are so many like panels that like felt somehow like extra iconic just because tim sale was like breaking i I guess like natural anatomy you know to like show like spider-man swinging and it's just like wow foot should not be there like did someone take a baseball bat to his femur like it it, to, to make his foot bend that way but it just makes so much sense for the Hulk, who is like this post-human in, in a way that I just don't think like other heroes really are. You know, like Spider-Man, like Peter Parker is supposed to blend in. Hulk is 
is supposed to be alien and otherworldly. And uh, yes. I think think does a, a really good job of capturing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hulk Gray number five came out January 5th, 2004. It's titled E is for Elephant. Hulk breaks into a gas station by ripping open its wall and takes every piece of medical supply he can find, yanking the entire first aid kit clear off a wall that remained. He goes back to a cave that's sheltered from the rain and waits for Betty to regain consciousness. She wakes up in denial of her situation and disbelief that she's still in this Hulk-sized nightmare. As she patches herself together, she lets her anger get the best of her and yells at Hulk, saying she won't let him destroy her. She's cold and just wants to go home, so she bargains with Hulk to release her, and in exchange, she promises to reveal where, or promises not to reveal where he is. Hulk denies her and goes off, bringing back wood that caught fire from a nearby lightning strike to keep her warm. Depressed, scared, and alone, she tells Hulk that she thinks she'd be better off dead, and that Hulk can't protect her since he's the only thing hurting her. Suddenly, Ross shows up in an Apache attack helicopter, promising that this is all about to end. Yeah. So this is like that whole that this is the best issue. Yes. This is by far the best issue because um there was a there's an old I think it's a from from plays. I think it's called a, a two-hander. Um I think that's what they call it. It's basically where you only have two characters and they go on a journey together. Mm-hmm. Um and that's like the entire story. It's just their relationship and it's usually single set nothing else going on um which is what this is it's a cave there's nothing else you know to distract you from all of this um and it's also like wonderful because it's being set in a cave and it's like the notion of the plato's cave where you're you're in a cave and if you this was your reality if if your reality was you know betty understanding what her reality of of who bruce is and, and Bruce trying to come to terms with his relationship with Betty now that he's like this hulking monster. Both of them are in a cave and both of them want to get out. They want to break free. They want to step out into the light uh, and hopefully together. Um, but it's interrupted by Ross at the end. Like they're about to have a moment. I don't know. Like the other thing about it is like people can easily just, just dismiss this as like Stockholm syndrome where she's like, oh, I'm going to bargain with him. You know, like, please leave, let me alone. I want to go or whatever. Um, but I, I don't, I just don't see it that way. I think this is like Betty sincerely knowing this is Bruce wanting to kind of be like, I don't want to believe this, that this is what you've become, but I'm starting to understand that this is what you've become. And, and I'm, I'm starting to get to my point of acceptance mm-hmm. and, 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 and the Hulk just being like, I want you to love me. I really do. I want you to just love me. I love you. Love me for who I am now. Cause it's, I'm not, there's no going back now. Things have changed. And so I, Oh God, I love this issue. This issue is really good. There is a, uh, an exchange between Leonard and, and Bruce uh, in, in the present day in their therapy session where Leonard says denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, the five stages of grief. If you believe in any of that brief says Bruce, There's a school of thought that they can go in any random order, Bruce, at least until acceptance. Uh, Bruce says, why would Betty or what would Betty be grieving about? I mean, at that time, Leonard says, what is grief? Loss, loss of a loved one. Can you think of anyone she'd lost or thought she'd lost, Bruce? And so just painting that picture, 
uh, of, of just like her mourning the loss of Bruce. And there's been, there was a weird moment in the last issue, which I neglected to bring up and I'm sorry, but like as she's regaining consciousness on the, the lakefront and it's, you know, Hulk saying, Betty, Betty, she wakes up going, Bruce? Like, like she thinks it's Bruce. And like, I don't know if that's her just like hoping she's waking up from a bad dream, you know, and all of a sudden she's back in the, in the loving arms of, of Bruce Banner. Or if she on some level knows that that Hulk at this point is Bruce Banner. But I think she's still grieving the loss of, of Bruce at this point. And I don't know if it's like a metaphorical loss because now she has to contend with the Hulk and Bruce and like, you know, this new paradigm or whatever. I think she's like actually like she still thinks Bruce is is dead. Like I disagree with your reading, but I think your reading is fucking fascinating and probably a better book. <laughs> if I'm being completely <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Well, there's that scene where uh you know Hulk is telling Betty like he's there to protect her, and she's like, Protect me from what, Hulk? The only thing I'm afraid of, the only thing I need protection from is you. Mm-hmm. And like Hulk's like, No, Betty need Hulk, like, but does she? Like that's the 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 harshest cut, you know. And then Ross shows up in his helicopter. Right. Well, but that's but to me that's that's my see. I'm all I'm taking from all of this the fact that like she knows, you know, this whole notion of grief and the no, whole notion of loss is is that again she did think that Bruce is dead, and and when she's looking at this Hulk, she's like. Oh my gosh, like every all the semblance of this man that I loved is gone. Like he's he's in front of me. I can see him. Mm-hmm. He's become this. Like he's become this giant hulking gray monster. Bruce is not in there anymore. That's a, so she's feeling that loss of like he's he's dead cuz this is what she's left with. And he's like, "Well, that's what I'm afraid of, you know. Like the only thing I'm afraid of is the fact that you're really not in there anymore, Bruce." like that you're this and that's all that's to you anymore mm-hmm. and he's like no 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 like you need me like i am still here like you just help me help me get back to where i am like accept me for who i am and, or is she afraid of loving him <laughs> i just I, I you know what i mean like that's that's this it's it's that acceptance it's that understanding it's that realization and they're meeting it together. They're, they're, they want to step out of the cave together. They want to, to have a new acceptance and realization of each other in this new post. And then Ross shows up in a helicopter. And what the hell? Like, okay, you ruined the moment, dude. But did he? Because she is really different in issue six. She's really different. I, I can't wait till we get to that issue because she acts completely different in issue six. You want to jump into it now? Oh, yeah. Chad, you ready for issue six? Okay. Hulk Gray 6 comes out February 17th, 2004. It is titled F for Father. I wouldn't have guessed that. uh, F for Father. I didn't have like a better (laughs) F word, but then as soon as I saw the title, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, things are about to pop off. And uh, pop off they did, gentlemen. Bruce jumps from his cave and mounts the Apache easily, ripping Ross from his canopy and brings him down to the ground below. Ross is egging Hulk on, begging him to kill him. Ross says, go ahead, Hulk, do it. It'd be worth it to die out here with my blood on your hands. Then everyone would see you for the monster that you are. And no matter where you go, where you hide, you'll never be left alone. 
His men get into position and have Hulk in their sights. He yells at them to fire, and Betty tells him not to, and repeatedly tells Hulk to put her father down. And he responds, saying, Hulk hate Banner, but Hulk hate Ross more. He's my father, she says. With all his flaws, I love him. I will always love him, and that's why you can't kill him. Hulk not understand. Hulk not monster. Hulk not hurt Betty. Ross always hurt Betty. He drops the general and leaps away into the night. Days or weeks later, Bruce and Rick return to the base to clear the Hulk and Rick's name and absolve them of their crimes. Ross starts ripping into Banner, his eyes getting greener like he's about to turn, but he doesn't. Betty says, Daddy, stop it. You're as horrible as the Hulk. Cut to present day and reliving this revelatory moment sends Bruce into a blind rage, transforming him into the Hulk, again leaping away to end the book. And um, it was Bruce's narration during that final scene, like as he turns into the Hulk, where he says, so that was it then, the why of it all, why Betty stayed with me all those years. Even after she found out, after the entire world found out that Bruce Banner is the Hulk, she loved me because she saw the monster as something familiar, as something, someone she could love. Leonard says, not everything is as black and white as you're saying. Bruce says, damn it, Leonard, I've known this all along. I was just too much of a coward to admit it. Me, Ross, what's the difference? But she's gone now. There are so many stories of what happened afterwards, but they will now always be colored by the knowledge that she loved me for all the wrong reasons. Mm. God damn. What yeah, a it bummer, is, it man. Is. You guys like this fucking suicide note that they turned into a comic book? Are you kidding me? Wow. I well that yeah, it is again, that's that, that's the that's the quintessential on you know unreliable narrator. Like he that at that point he's painting the picture, but it does ring true with some things. Mm -hmm. There's that moment I told you about, you know, in issue five where things change. I think this is, Betty does get the acceptance that this is now Bruce, that Bruce is now the Hulk. And it comes, it becomes crystal clear in that moment where, uh, you know, he's, she's, she runs up behind him. She's like, put him, put him down, Bruce. Like he's my dad. Sure. He's a monster, but I love him. You can't kill him. And I think at that same moment, she's actually also telling the Hulk that he, he can't kill Banner, that he, he like that he has to accept also that she doesn't want Banner dead either. She she's accepting the Hulk finally for who he is. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you can't you can't kill yourself. You can't you can't give in to this like you can't become the monster. You can't do this. I, I love you. I love you, Bruce. I love you, Hulk. And that's what she's saying to him. Put my father down. Put down your anger. Put down your rage. Walk away from this fight, and which he does. And he comes back in a more semblance of something that Betty would love, which is the good old Bruce. And then she says, like, I hate you. You know, you're just as bad as the Hulk. And that's because, like, again, like, I... I, I Chad, Chad, what do you what do you think about that point that Andy just raised? So I I'm just sitting here uh, swimming around in my own thought where I I think they're all bad. Um, so I mean this issue is all about the parallels amongst the the characters. Like you have Ross, we talked about in issue one, you know Banner willing to die, uh, because that's more noble to sacrifice himself than to to work through his issues and live for a cause. Mm -hmm. um in here you have ross willing to die whether it's goading the hulk into killing him or having his own men shoot at the hulk knowing the bullets are going to bounce off of him 
bounce off the Hulk and kill Thunderbolt Ross, but then Hulk would be blamed. Right. You know, he's willing to die for that. And then you have Betty, who uh, is the parallel to Banner in that, you know, Banner was abused as a child and is all messed up and has all this guilt and as a result turns into this monster. Well, well, Betty, you know, from her relationships, she's learned to live in abusive relationships and love the monsters. And that's, you know, you have parallels all over the place. And it's just such a tragedy that you have all these messed up people being messed up together in this triangle of messed upitude. And then the Hulk <laughs> jumps away. I think she still doesn't know that Bruce and Hulk are the same. Otherwise, she wouldn't have said that line, you're as bad as the Hulk, daddy. Like, I think that shows, because she showed such, like, an emotional maturity, right? Like, if, if she did know that Hulk and Bruce were the same person earlier in the issue, her saying, like, you can't do this. Like, her having, like, an earnest conversation with with Banner and not Hulk, right, through, through the Hulk. But then to have her say that, like, just completely dismisses that notion, to me, anyway. Oh, I, and, I think she's saying we're all equal here. Right, that's you're that's just what, as bad as the Hulk. Yeah, that's what I I took it as. She's reminding again Thunderbolt Ross that like and Banner and Banner and that everybody that's just like you guys are the same. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a reminder to stop fighting. Like that's why again that's another reason why she tells you know Hulk to put him down because like she just wants peace between her husband and her dad. Well, don't forget, she's just as messed up as they are. And she just she's wants, just messed up in a different way. I, you know what I mean? She just wants peace. She wants peace in her household. She wants them to stop fighting over Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner. Like, you know, it, it just just knock it off. Can we just be a family here? Can you stop wanting to try to kill each other? Like, you know, it's... But I think that's all. It's, it, I don't know. I, that's just that. That's just my. No, and again, like I said, I like your reading of the book more than I like my reading of the book. I think you guys read a better book than I did, <laughs> which is unfortunate because, like, I do really like this book. I like this book quite a bit, but there there are some issues I have with it. My big issue with Spider Man Blue was that um, I think, like, for all the the harping on Gwen, they just did a lot of like telling and not showing. Like, it was just him saying how much he loved Gwen as opposed to, like, him, like, loving Gwen, you know, like, as opposed to, like, their actual relationship. In their defense, that's how it went, though. Oh, yeah. If you read the original Spider-Man books. What's the the fucking point of, like, revisiting if you're not going to, like, fix some things, you know, like. You're you're right, but that's honestly why I was was never in a Gwen camp. People are mm -hmm. like, oh, Gwen was his true love. No, Mary Jane was his true love because they actually had a real, they have a real relationship. They have a relationship that actually has ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And like, if he loves her, it's because there are reasons, mm-hmm. not because you were told these reasons. But I, I that's well, why I think that Betty and Betty and the Hulk are, are are made for each other because they have history. They have reasons to get back together time and time again. Because they're both all messed up. Yes, we didn't mention the absence of color. You know, at the beginning uh, the, and end of the story, the, the the black and whiteness that like they they kept reinforcing like it's not as simple as black and white, and then like the world they were living in was literally black and white until Hulk right. rained out at the end. There, yeah. Once you take Betty away, you take mm-hmm. away the the variations, and it is just these people are monsters, you know. And then he turns into this big green. Is that envy? Is that whatever it is? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also the simple Hulk. Like, that's the other thing. Like, 
I, I don't mean to keep on going back, but this is why Please. you do. It's not Hulk green. It's Hulk gray. Hulk gray. He is the more complex of the Hulks. He is more, you know, he always has been, whether he was Joe fix it or whatever. Hulk green, other than being smart Hulk, he's the more simple of the characters. He's, he talks like a six-year-old or whatever. And, and I think honestly, the end of that book and what he says, like, yeah, she just loved a bunch of monsters. Honestly, I'm like, that's 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 oversimplifying this relationship, honestly. Like, I think I agree with Samson. You're like, meh, that's just like, oh, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Might as well go eat worms. It's my fault that Betty died and whatever. No, like, Betty was a person. Betty was, Betty was wrapped up in this whole thing just as much as anybody else was. And she had complex reasons for loving you, Bruce. Not just she had complex reasons for loving her dad. Um, you know, I think we all can agree with that. You, I'm sure there are people in your life that have not been the best people, but you love them for for reasons that you can't really put your finger on. You're just no, like, I only love rock stars, all stars, <laughs> uh, pop stars. Here no, I am, no, getting all of, deep and my, no, none of them have ever No, you're right, and like Hulk Gray, maybe the best of the color. True books oh daredevil yellow is pretty good daredevil yellow is is a fine story it's Uh, been it's been a long time since i've read them all uh my impressions spider-man blue wasn't my favorite mm -hmm. um captain america i thought was a typical captain america primer yeah like i thought it was good but by the time i read it i was just tired of every captain america story being the same one Mm -hmm. Um, so we have Daredevil Yellow, uh, Hulk Gray. What else? Am I missing one? No, no. Daredevil Yellow. There were four of them. I think we're. I think we're getting to the end of the podcast really quick. Are any of the color books better than than Long Halloween? No, no. No. Nothing's better than Long Halloween, (laughs) except perhaps. I think it's in what Hollowed Night. I think that there's like a Scarecrow story. That he wrote that's like really, really good. It's either Scarecrow or Mad Hatter. It's in that Hollowed Knights collection. I really like that story just simply because it was short and it <laughs> didn't last very long. But, but that, um, that's how they started. They were doing the Halloween issues every year and then that eventually begat the long Halloween. I think he's having like a dream or he's in some sort of dreamscape or something. It's a real good story. Anyway, but no, Hulk, I hope that everybody comes away from this. Especially you, George, saying, you know what? Maybe I should take a look at Hulk again. Maybe I should take a look, another look at Hulk as a character and how deep these you stories know, can really be. You know what? I might revisit the first Hulk comic I ever read, that the Dark Tempest or the, the Tempest story, because it's a it's a two-issue book. And man, it might be nice to just cover two issues on this podcast for once. From an editing <laughs> perspective, from a prep perspective, and also from a Listeners not listening to a 95 minute podcast perspective, just oh. give give them a break. Um, Sorry on that note. No, that is that is all my fault. Closing thoughts on Hulk Ray. Um, yeah, I, I, I give this a solid, I don't know, four out of four Hulks. I think this is a great Hulk book. Four out of really four do. Hulks. Like, come on, man. I mean, it's like, a great book. Yeah, it's, but it's, but it's, scale, scales only work if uh, if JA gives them. I know, right? Like, I still, that's the rule. It's yeah. a great one. 
Um, I, I think to Chad's point, if you've never read Hulk before, this is a great place to start. Um, I think that's the same thing for all of these, but this is particularly good. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we had this, that we picked, we picked this show to be yeah. one because I really loved um, revisiting this book. Yeah, I, I think Hulk Gray, it is a great primer, but you had to bring up uh, Long Halloween, George, and none of the color books that they've done at Marvel add up to the Long Halloween because Long Halloween was new. Long Halloween was original. Mm-hmm. The Long Halloween was, you know, something else. And whereas, you know, these books, they, they go back to the essence of the characters, but they're really, you know, retreading ground and just modernizing it and, you know, putting it in that timeless encapsulation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a picture of a picture type thing. You know, the, if you want to go back to the allegory of the, the cave, right. These are the shadows from the cave, not the, the reality or whatever. I, I think most of these color books, they're, they're wonderful for what they are. And the Tim sale art is beautiful. And Jeff Loeb uh, is similar to Mark Wade, where he knows what makes the characters tick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask me what I think of the Hulk, I, I go back to the the psychology of the character. I go back to figuring out what makes Bruce Banner tick and why he does what he does. And that's a, everything they do here. Uh, and they do it really well. So uh, I don't Do we grade things here? Uh, it, we it would get a good grade, but it's not the best grade. Because mm-hmm. if you want a, a really great Hulk story, read a Hulk story that's not a retread of other Hulk stories. But uh, uh but no, well, like what it is, it's wonderful. I've I've mentioned on this podcast that like, yeah, you probably should go back and read the Silver Age stuff. I have a really hard time reading Silver Age comics. I I think they're just really overridden. I, I think they don't trust the artist, and I I find that personally frustrating. So I the reason I want to like look at these is because I consider these shortcuts. And like I remember when I was like first getting into comics in the early two thousands, like I just pretended that that book Marvels from. Uh, Kurt Busiek and, and Alex Ross, for all intents and purposes, was the Silver Age. I was like, okay, he, he like he, here is here is everything I have to know about the old stories. And then the Done. same thing, same thing with these color books, where I just pretended that like, okay, this was everything I need to know about old Hulk. This was everything I need to know about old Spider Man, and so on and so forth for for all the books. And so I I actually think this book is really good. I sounded super critical and down on it during our conversation, and I I didn't mean to come off. I guess I meant to. Be, you know, thought provoking and, and make a good podcast. You were fine. But um, I, I think this book is excellent. Like I said, this would be like one of the first three books I recommend someone curious about the Hulk reads. I, I think this book is definitely my favorite revisit of the two color books we've done so far. I still think Marvel's is the best like retroactive or retrospective book we've covered so far. But I like those year one books. Remember those? The original graphic novels? Yeah. Year ones? Season ones. Season ones. Yeah. Season ones, yeah. The Hulk one is not bad. That's written by Fred Van Lenty. Um, yeah. So if you want to check that out, th- this is better. I mean, I won't lie. Like, this is a, a better retelling, but um, yeah. But every generation, you need those shortcuts. Yeah. Right? And this is a hundred times better than going to that Wikipedia and, you know, it uh, does get what makes the character tick. So absolutely, Andy, Chad, thank you so much for coming on Shortbox Summary. Always a pleasure to have you. You two are always welcome. Please check out Andy, Chad, and JA's show, The Last Comic Shop. Yeah, that's right. www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. 
Tuesday.com. New episodes every Tuesday? Yeah, every single Tuesday, we've got a brand new episode, uh, over close to 150 episodes, uh, all with a new comic book every single week. Make sure that you're checking out some past episodes featuring George from Shortbox Summary. We've got a wonderful uh, review of, I think it's what, uh, Daredevil Underboss, he came on a show, and Asterius Pollock, which uh, by far is, is one of my favorite episodes. From beginning to end, that's a great episode with a Dave Mazzuchelli book that not a lot of people know about. So listen to George just gush on that. Life-changing book. I was different after I read that book. Incredible shit. Thank you so much for putting that on my radar. Really appreciate it. Uh, Like I said, Last Comic Shop. It's a comic podcast I love listening to. Every episode they do is evergreen. They are so incredibly light on spoilers and everything they talk about that is spoiler is like thematic. It's not like here's like a thing that happened. They, They talk about like the actual influence of a character they, they talk about like an actual decision that was made but i've never felt spoiled i've listened to so many episodes that you guys do of books i haven't read books i was curious about that inform me about like oh i need to read this sooner or oh i can hold off on this one oh fantastic four life story oh i'll move that one to the back burner it sounds like but i still don't feel like that story was spoiled for me so thank you so much for cutting together such an amazing show uh twitter handle on that real quick at last comic shop in fact that's everywhere like i think we're on mastodon we're on the the spoutable now youtube (laughs) instagram all at last comic shop i mean hopefully someday soon social media will become like easy again like now i i i just want it to end like i just want a place where i can plug my show other than awesome short box summary which is great thank you so much for having us on and letting us talk uh, well, about this great book with you, George. You're 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 a treasure. Thank, a thank treasure. you guys. Thank, thank you so you much so for much. being here. Also, listen to Last Comic Shop and leave a review. Reviews are super helpful. Leave a review for Short Box Summary. Super helpful. Also, you don't want to leave a review? That's cool. Retweeting, liking, all that shit's free. Right. It's Tell super friends, free. You know, people that read comic books, let them in on some of these shows that talk about comic books. Yeah. Cool. And make sure that you're uh, tuning in on May 20th. We're going to be teaming up with George again for a live stream for The Cure. It is a fantastic event uh, helping uh, raise money for cancer research. We're going to be reviewing another Hulk book on that show, Batman versus Hulk from 1981. George, are you ready with like all the facts and figures about September 1981? I am not, but I am. Wait, September 19. 19- Indiana Jones was still in theaters, baby. I, yes. Yeah. Let's, See, there you let's go. Raiders, baby. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that's May 20th, 7 to 8 p.m. Short box summary, last comic shop, teaming up to help raise money for cancer research. Don't miss this live uh, episode of our, our fantastic team up. I am going on, I'm going on eBay right now because I forgot to buy a copy of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting on it don't worry Ooh. it'll be here in time i was gonna say that's a, it can be kind of pricey <laughs> yes. oh, it's all right i found a couple bucks in my couch earlier how bad can it be <laughs> you don't want to ask holy <laughs> shit are you kidding me yeah just kidding it's gonna be fine it's gonna <laughs> be fine <laughs> thank you so much for listening we'll be back in your ear holes next week but before that, you can hear Last Comic Shop on Tuesday. Thank you, and we'll be back soon. Soon.